You are listening to The Path Forward Dayton, a Dayton Daily News podcast where we discuss the most pressing issues facing our region and seek solutions. I'm your host, Dayton Daily News reporter, Jordan Laird. And today I'm introducing a co-host, Nick Herkman, who will bring you today's episode. Nick, introduce yourself. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much. I'm Nick Herkman, the Community Impact Editor for the Dayton Daily News. Thanks for joining me. Nick is going to be hosting some of our episodes from now on. He's going to bring you interviews with lots of Dayton's most important movers and shakers. I'm really excited to hear what he brings to the show. I hope to share with you the most compelling and important issues facing our region, as told by members of our community. Ideas and Voices invites you to participate in the telling of our community story. So, Nick, what do you have for us today? I interviewed the new chief of Dayton Police Department, Cameron Offsall. He and I talked about his impressions of Dayton, his background, and his goals for his first year on the job. That's really interesting because we haven't heard much from him yet. I'm going to get out of your way now so we can hear that great interview. Um, just welcome to Dayton. Um, why did you decide to take the job? Uh, a lot of different reasons. I think uh, uh, it was an ideal size department for me, uh, but you know, it was. Uh, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia. It was about 500 people there, and it's a little bit smaller than that. And I think it was, uh, it, it, it was uh, pretty close to that number. So that was always a, uh, that was already always a wish. Um, you know, this also is only about six hours away from my wife's family in Canada. Right. So that was pretty advantage, advantageous. Even though last time we went there, we had to not, we couldn't go through the. Ambassador Bridge, we had to go through Buffalo because Ambassador Bridge was closed. <laughs> so it took a little longer. And I think some of the focus of the of the of the city as a whole, understanding that the economic viability is the answer and there are some plans that the city has put in a piece of paper for now, several years, Not it's nothing new. Uh, so I think that was encouraging because I definitely saw that in, uh, uh, definitely saw that in Arlington when I grew up where I think that, that approach to understanding that you need to have uh, built an equity for all people, I think uh, eventually helps uh, uh, all of us because you know we are in a we are in a, uh, a place where we actually react to things, uh, sure. things are that are way beyond our control, and poverty and lack of education attainment, a lot of those things are factors as to why we have such a maybe a higher than uh, national average uh, mm-hmm. you know crime rate. Um, so I think the fact that there was an understanding of that, I think, was very attractive. And I think lastly, your commissioners uh, actually run really good meetings. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't used to getting meetings done in an in, in hour. So I thought that was also a very, very attractive part for me because all of that actually plays a part into um, how the city is perceived and how the city is run because it's not just uh, about, about PD for me, for public safety. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what was your first impression of the city? I know it's been, what, about six months now? Yeah, actually, first impression was, uh, I think it came in uh, September, October. Uh, kind of walked around a little bit. Um, I, I, I definitely thought people were a lot more friend, friendlier than the D.C. area. <laughs> Central Virginia is, uh, is friendly. Yeah. Uh, so definitely uh, that was a good impression on that. Uh, I, I like downtown area, and I've heard that has improved drastically from in the last uh, you know several years. So I, I you know, I, I thought that was very very attractive. Um, so it was it was a good impression. Uh, it was it was anything. Anything negative, uh, so so to speak, and it was warm back then. <laughs> I wish I knew it was. It got this cold. <laughs> <laughs> right, might have given you a false impression because it, it did. The winters are a little yeah, rough. It's like, <laughs> it's like wind chills and uh, minus uh, degrees, and for 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 days. Like, okay, all right. Right, and uh, yeah, now that you've been here for a few months now and working in the job for a little bit, has that impression changed? Has there been anything different? Has there been what have you learned? 
Impression has a change overall. Just I realize that uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, holistically speaking, there, there's definitely a uh, there's definitely a very very busy city, and especially parts of it is uh, definitely not. I think where any of us want the city to be. Um, but I think part of that is uh, what's being worked on to the commissioner's office with the you know the funding that's coming up there to make uh, maybe board up uh, get rid of some of these abandoned homes that actually add to the chaos. Um, and you know there's there's a lot of volume here. There's a lot of volume here. Our, our officers are definitely uh, d definitely running ragged. Um, so it's difficult to do a lot of things when you're really going call to call to call and really high priority calls. So sure. um, so this is definitely a lot more a lot more chaos than I've ever encountered as a police officer. Sure. And, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned the ARPA funds and the the the, uh, the commission's decisions and what could be coming out of that. What do you think the, the role of the law enforcement and the police department has uh, in terms of receiving any of those funds? Or what, what do you hope that could be used for? Well, I mean, uh, uh, obviously, you, you're, you're always a little selfish about you know, some of the funding come to you. But really, I, would, I think what will help us as an organization, as a, as a city, is to really uh, address some of the inequity issues uh, that are historically built into a lot of lot of communities, because I think that will actually help us. You know, you, you have uh, if if, you, if you're a if you're a healthier community from an economic perspective, and there's some better equity, that actually eventually shows up in a lot less calls for uh, for service or less lot critical calls. We probably you you, you want more calls for service from uh, from a uh, uh, you know quality of life issues, sure. not the type of calls that we're getting. So um, I think if that if, if it's if, if it's focused there, which I think a lot of the focus is there about how to bring people who are a little bit more disadvantaged uh, historically to bring up to par, I think it will it will actually help all of us. I think it will be a, um, I think you, you uh, the stress that the law enforcement puts on uh, our officers as it is, I think there will be there will be a humongous uh, huge reductions in that. Um, and maybe we can retain some of our people that are leaving now. <laughs> sure. Uh, and what's something you're proud of over the course of your career prior to coming to Dayton, whether it was in Hopewell or elsewhere? What's something that you, you're proud of and that you're taking forward? I'm always proud of people who do, you know, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the fact and recognizing when to get out of the way. And, and, and really the innovation that occurs when you kind of give people the room to innovate, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud of being able to, uh, you know, uh, really have a collaborative approach uh, internally and externally. Um, it works, you know, when, when you're doing something with each other and sort of add each other, I think you're always more apt to be successful. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of the people that I work with. I've worked with some really smart people, and sometimes the only thing, the, the, the best thing that you can do is learning how to get out of the way. And I, I think I've gotten pretty good at uh, knowing when to get out of the way and when to get in the way. Sure. I thought it was interesting. I read that you worked for the U.S. Capitol Police in 91 around there. Yeah. Um, just curious if you wanted to share, how did you feel watching the events of January 6th last year? Did that influence you at all? Uh, not because I worked there. Just uh, just a deterioration of uh, of society. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't that. Uh, to me, it was... Um, and I will, uh, I will differentiate between politicians and elected leaders. So the political aspect of our democracy where the same thing when it was committed by somebody else was not good, but when it's committed by people who are your supporters, it's okay. Or you, you, under, under, you, know, you, you undervalue it or, or you, you say, oh, you know, that was okay, there was a reason for it. And I, and I, and I blame, uh, to be honest, from, I mean, I'm not a political person, or at least in the job I'm not supposed to, but I, I blame people from both sides where you, you, if, you, if you believe in something, then believe in whether it's, if, if it's your 
your loved one doing it or somebody else's loved one doing it because otherwise it becomes it becomes superficial uh, and I've seen that history in my native country where it became very polarizing and now they're finally coming out of that you know in, in, in the in the 70s I was young but growing up in Pakistan in the 70s you saw the right side of the aisle religious right kind of take hold of things right yeah. and everything was if you, you just had you just can't be you just can't being a Muslim was not good enough. You had to be my kind of Muslim, right? Mm. It's the same thing that I see, and on both left and right side, it's just not good enough to be whoever you are. You have to be my kind, right? The, the world is too complex, and we we have more a lot more in commonality. Um, and I think that's what 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 bothered me more uh, than anything else wasn't the the fact that you know idiots and whatever you call it did what they did was like that we try to justify it. Yeah. And right did that that time before that. You know the chaos that occurred, and I understand the the anger that came out of, uh, of the summer of 2020. But then, but then justifying the 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 very people's businesses who are disadvantaged and being okay with that makes no sense. And then flip flopping all the sides. Well, you know those guys are were evil. I'm like I mean, I'm like make up your mind what you want to do. Yeah, consistency. Uh, consistency is important, right? I mean, sure. Sure, and I mean, you mentioned that you're from Karachi, Pakistan, correct? I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. My my um, um, uh, my father is uh, my father's family is from uh, northwestern part of Pakistan, uh, and uh, some Pathan Pashtun. They might not make anything to you. Okay. My, my mom's family is more uh, from Kashmir. So, uh, but I was born in Karachi because my dad was a naval officer. Sure, and I was just curious because you know Dayton kind of prides itself in being a welcoming city, and we have welcome Dayton. Um, how does that background and your experience there does that inform your worldview today? Yeah, I mean everything you are informs me. I, I hope it does. Yeah, I hope it does. I mean I have, I have my own lens that so doesn't make it uh, right or wrong. It's just yeah, obviously everything that we do. I mean it's not that. I mean just you know uh, uh, being from being raised in, in in a different land. I think at times I think I'm, I'm more appreciative maybe of. Uh, the democratic values that uh, that we have and that we should have, because mm-hmm. I think we all uh, should have a sense of it. I'm actually very prideful uh, of the our constitution because it's based on individual liberties. It's not based on collective good, and that's that's unique even in Western democracies. So yeah, I mean, growing up in Northern Virginia and being you know all of that has a, has a, has shaped my worldview. I don't think it's only one thing. Um, you know, being of Pakistani descent and being a police officer has says that I have a different lens because of that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you feel will be your biggest challenge as the chief of the Dayton Police Department? I think realistic expectations. Um, change doesn't happen instantaneously. Uh, I think change happens gradually, and one day you will say, "Oh, look at where we are now." Um, I think there are a lot of challenges here. I don't know if there's one any one thing that I will say uh, that will be you know more challenging than another thing. Obviously, you want to deliver the you know uh, uh, the services that we provide from a, a police service in in the most unbiased, uh, professional, with empathetic and sympathetic years to to follow. Right? It's uh, it's utopian, but I think that's what you want to that's what you want to aim for. You want to sure. that's the aspirational that everybody will get it. Right? Everybody will get it on 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 uh, as police officers that hey, there are people. Uh, I you know you don't. So one of the things I, t- I tell people, you know, be empathetic and sympathetic. Don't excuse individual behavior, but understand why people, why they are what they are. And and to be honest, treat everybody with the human dignity they deserve. It's not our job to judge. I mean, it's for me, it's the creator's job to judge. But society's has, uh, our society has created, you know, uh, systems in place. So our job is to bring you to that place. You know, be emotional about your job vested, but don't get emotional individually about 
a case because then, then all of a sudden ends justify the means and we really can't be in that position. Ends never justify for the means in, in my line of work. Sure. And this is um, just data from 2020 shows that use of force incidents declined more than 14% uh, over 2019. And while use of force incidents involving white men and black women have declined sharply, incidents involving black men have increased slightly. Is that surprising to you? And does this suggest ongoing work on police reform is important? So you have to look at things at a, a much more larger context, right? You, lift, you have to look at uh, who's been victimized in this in the city, right? So if you just look things at, at uh, just on population base, you know, you will say, okay, this is disparate treatment. You have to look deeper. You have to you have to see who's been victimized in this city. Um, and uh, and I'll tell you, my, my African brothers are and brethren are a lot, uh, disproportionately affected. But then it goes, why is that? Or you look at the economic conditions that people are living in. So I'm not surprised by anything. Doesn't nothing shocks me. I mean. I used to investigate sex crimes, so I can tell you that nothing shocks me uh, in this world. But you have to, I mean, I, I, I don't look at stats on the, uh, to, to that level. Mm -hmm. I know as part of the police reform, we have a use of force committee that we've been mm -hmm. looking at data as to say why, what happens, and there's just something we can do better. Um, but, you know, by itself, I mean, I just, you, I know the economic conditions play a big part in it. Sure. Um, and, and, the, and the equity part of it plays a big part in it. So um, I don't know the answer to your question. Um, no, I think it does. And I was going to ask a little bit about the police reform committees. I mean, they were developed before your time here, but how do you feel about their progress and the recommendations that came out of the working groups? Um, recommendations, I mean, I don't mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't know if any department, to be honest, that says you know, I don't want to be more righteous and more transparent and sure. more open to it, right? It's just a matter of how you kind of get there. And the, 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 I think the, the reality is that, you know, you can be very, very aspirational. Some of the goals are very, very aspirational, and that's great. Just understand that it's, it's you know if, if you want to truly want to you know do things something to, for the right way you have to build the foundations first so have strong foundations and the work will it will result I mean I just had a, a conversation with one of the members of the Youth Force Committee and I, you know I said you know don't be discouraged if, if things don't move right away right because we want to make sure that they move in a way that are that were everlasting mm -hmm. um, and I think the other other uh, the part of that is um, people don't like me saying that but uh, the reality is that courts favor police officers mm -hmm. because unlike what happened in Mr. Floyd's case when he was mur murdered we don't have that much time to react we actually have seconds that it would be in eternity we usually mm -hmm. have a split second to make a decision right and so that's why the courts usually uh, side with us based in, in critical things now that doesn't mean that it doesn't say you, should, you shall do that every time time around it just say it means that uh, the case law usually is, is I want to pick sides, but it's usually favors law enforcement. They understand the, uh, the context we work on, right? So you, have, you do have to make sure that uh, the, the, the folks that you're working with understand what we already do because we are not good at telling our story, right? We, we, there's a lot of great work that occurs in this community, in this department, and sometimes it's not sexy. And sometimes you guys don't pick up on that because <laughs> nobody, nobody got hurt. Somebody got saved, right? So it's not, it's not the sexiest news, right? You, we have a tendency to say, okay, well, somebody got killed, so let me go push, push that out there. So part of that is for our job, and I think we're working through some things about how to use our platforms that we have from, in, in social media better to really highlight that work, to say, you know, we, we do have a heart. Um, it, it, we're not heartless individuals, um, and, and we need to, need to tell a better story. 
Exactly. I don't you mean, tell a true story to me. I'm not sure. And I mean, I, I can sympathize as a member of the media to some degree that, you know, there is an incredible amount of distrust of institutions, whether it's police or the media. Um, what do you think can be done to get through to those that have that kind of distrust, that really, that lack of trust that's been building? Yeah, I just, this is just a joke. Okay? I said that uh, I'm still rated much higher than any anybody else outside of the military. <laughs> yeah. I like that officials told me that. I'm like, you're, you're in a single digit, so I'm in I'm 50%. Okay, I can do better. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, but that's still, uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it takes, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's every interaction is important, right? Um, our, our job that you as a community are given is, is by confrontation, right? You're not calling me for barbecue to say, hey, come have a barbecue with us. You're calling me when something has gone awry, right? So, uh, there, there, there are going to be incidences where it's, it's not going to look very pretty, sure. right? But that's the, the job that you've given me. Now, you started me uh, on, uh, on barbecues, <laughs> on family gatherings, saying, hey, we're going to have a birthday, so I'll just come down here because, hey, coffee service comes right. Hey, we have a birthday. We, we have enough cake. Come on. If I'm acting like, a, you know, like an ass at that time, well, let's talk, right? But usually I'm call, getting called because I have 550-plus shootings in this, in this community, right, where somebody shot. Um, I have, I said, well, the, the, the number is since police reform started, uh, since that time, we've had about 67, 68 people have been shot and killed in the city. About 135 have been killed as a result of overdoses. About 50 have died on the roadways. And about 550 is an average that we have per year, right? So that's a reality that we live with. And I get it that some of those factors does affect people of color a lot more than anybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm a brown man myself, so I can, I, I, I can empathize with that stuff. I, I still don't excuse individual behavior, right? Um, because still, that's still not, uh, I, have to, I have to understand that part of it. So I think part of that is just being understanding, you know, what we go through every, every day uh, doesn't mean that we can be better, right? Uh, we, we can be better and we should be better. We, 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 the, the making those contacts with those individuals every, every time you know, make it like that's the first and last time you're going to meet that individual, right? And that's the that's the culture part of it, right? Um, I mean, we're trying to do some things to try to maybe put more bodies on the on the street uh, with the uh, within our uh, uh, strength that we have to hopefully maybe alleviate some of that stress that we have um, and actually maybe create a department that patrol is where you do community policing, not in a specialty unit, right? Because if you don't do it at patrol, you, you're not it, everything else is it's good, but it's not as as effective. So. I think it, every interaction you have to take it where, you know, this is my chance to impress someone. Um, and I don't have a, I don't have a kind of great panacea of answer that, you know, you do X, Y, and Z, all of a sudden relationship will be, will be improved. Um, I know, highlight some of the stuff that we, when we push it on our, on, on our uh, social media that talks about, you know, some of the softest things that we do in life uh, that we do all a lot. I mean, highlight those because those are important and that, that work does happen every day. Um, even with all the stuff that, all the sometimes chaos that we, we, we think is happening. Sure. Um, I was going to talk real quickly, if we could, about surveillance technologies such as license plate readers, red light cameras, and gunshot detect detection systems. Uh, they've come under scrutiny, and you know, the more that they've been introduced in the community, there have been some pushback. Um, what is your opinion on their purpose and their efficacy? So, um, I don't know what the pushback is. I mean, I can tell you that uh, technology helps, but it's not the panacea. It doesn't answer everything. Um, it provides you ability to respond quicker. Um, license plate readers have been around for a long time, but the, the, the notion is somehow that we are looking at every single license plate reader that goes through. 
you only look at that data if, if something bad happens in an area. Otherwise, it just it just keeps there and then washes away. Um, that's the misnomer. I've, we funny. I don't know how many solved cases. I don't know how many cases they didn't solve, but I know where I grew up in Northern Virginia. Uh, we only looked at the data when somebody said, "Hey, there's a robbery occurred, and there was a car." I was like, "I wonder if a if a, a license plate reader was in the area and they picked it up there." That's the only time we look at the data. We don't have that much time. I mean, my officers are busy in western this part of the uh, town. About 85% of the time, they're on a call for service, and that means that's 10-hour shift, eight and a half hours are busy. You still got to give them a half-hour lunch break, two 15-minute breaks, and then really they they come in, check in, and they uh, they go out, check out. They don't have time to look at data. Right, you only look at when you need to look at it. So I think it's a good thing uh, to be able to do that. And obviously, you need to have mechanisms to make sure that people are not looking at it for nefarious purposes. Uh, and I can tell you that I could probably use more cops. I'm sure Shelly's gonna be like, "What the hell? Don't talk about that." <laughs> but all the department can say that, right? Yeah. We don't have the time to be able to uh, just sit around and uh, do nothing and look at data. You only look at that information when you need it, right? And other part of that, you know, my, and I think as a lot of immigrant population has a lot of the concerns, and, and being, a, being an immigrant myself, I'm, I'm telling you, I had the same, same response when I was in D.C. I was like, we are not looking at data and saying, immigrant, go here. It just doesn't happen that way, right? It is, hey, uh, look out is for a, a gray car with a partial tag. I say, I'll put that in there. It, was there a gray car with a partial, this partial tag was seen in this area. It was. Well, maybe five cars. Look at that, and then narrow it down to see who's looking at. The rest is, you know, kind of goes away. Um, shot spotter is the same thing. Is it gives us the ability to respond quicker. It is still not a panacea. I still need people to pick up the phone when they hear a gunshot or somebody hurt, saying the shooting occurred here, because I know you can pinpoint pretty close, um, but you know it doesn't give you well who was in that neighborhood when the shooting occurred. You know what was the lookout? You know, uh, you know was it a White guy was it a black guy was it was a female? What, what, it just, it's just not used the way people think it's used. Sure, sure. I know we're running a little tight on time, so I was going to ask you if there's one thing that you hope to accomplish this year as chief that you believe will have an important impact on the community. Survive. <laughs> um, I have made some recommendations, and I don't want to get into that. That I think will um, maybe set us for success based on what the department should be structured. Um, and and if I can make the community community oriented policing aspect of it prevalent in patrol, which you know, I mean we have some of them doing that, but not really as a as a cultural part of it. And I think that that will uh, make us more effective um, in how we deliver our services. I think that would be if I can get that done. I think that would be a um, that would be an achievement. I'm not sure how big an achievement will be, but I would that would be something that I'm focused on. Sure. Um, Are you allowed to speak, uh, elaborate a little bit on what that might look not like? Not right now. Not okay. right now. I that's think right. that's, I st I st there still has to be some uh, things that we got to do internally before we can even uh, ready to talk about that. Sure. That's fair. And just one last question. Uh, what concerns you most about the future of law enforcement? Uh, the narrative that's out there uh, that um, this is not a worthy profession to go, uh, especially for people of color, because actually I need more women and people of color to be interest in law enforcement to bring a different lens. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the verbiage that I've heard in the last two years is doing exactly opposite of what should be done because then it, dis it dissuades people, especially people who are from uh, a little bit more disadvantaged, uh, you know, brown and black communities. If they don't feel comfortable saying, well, that's not a place to go, it, 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 further, it, it further puts us behind um, because we are getting more brown, right, <laughs> in, in this, you know, in, in our in our uh, in our country, so 
uh, you want to give people the voice, and the way to do that is to bring people into your organization to provide that voice and, and maybe bring a different lens. You know, I definitely have a different lens because of uh, the background that I have. It doesn't make me better. It just provides my lens to somebody else to say, okay, just think it from this perspective. Sure. So. You can read a shortened transcript of this interview and more on DaytonDailyNews.com slash ideas voices. I'm your host, Nick Herkman. Join me next time as we talk to community leaders on topics important to the Dayton region. 